0: Your angry, angry neighborhood, neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this is a mini episode, and we are doing it
1: long distance edition because between mine and Madigan's work schedules, it's just not working. We had a t- yeah, we had a tough time meeting up this week. So yeah. I am in my apartment, and Madigan is in her apartment. Yes. And we are doing this episode via Google Chat. And so. it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, so if it sounds a little different than usual, that would be why. <laughs> yeah, so Keegan, what kind of stories do you have this week? Um, Not great ones, Madigan. Yeah, not,
0: not great ones for me ones. either.
1: Yeah, but Whoops. you know what? I have my can of rosé here. I've got my glass so, of wine.
0: Yeah, so we can make it through, mm-hmm. you know? Alcohol. Helping us get through this show. So the thing that I really want to talk about, and I feel like you probably have notes on this too, is the fact that there were explosives sent to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and CNN and Maxine Waters. I actually did not make notes about that, um, so it's good that you did. It okay. was definitely something that was on my list, but Yeah, I just didn't make notes about it. It sounds fucking bonkers so the secret service intercepted a package addressed to clinton's home and a package addressed to former president barack obama's home or office i think uh tuesday night and wednesday morning 9 a.m this morning because today is wednesday uh, a suspicious package containing a live explosive device and white powder was sent to the new york cnn offices and it was addressed to former cia director john brennan Wow. The offices, yeah, the offices of U.S. Rep Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former chair of the Democratic National Committee, were evacuated. Everyone in the office was evacuated after the building received a suspicious package. And it was addressed to former attorney Eric Holder. And then later on Wednesday, like this just keeps going, this list. Later Wednesday, Mm -hmm. a package addressed to Maxine Waters was intercepted at a congressional mail facility in Maryland. And these series happened after a billionaire philanthropist and liberal mega donor, George Soros, received an explosive device in his New York home earlier this week. Um, And they're saying Brian Parman, who is the special agent in charge of counterterrorism division in New York field office, says that it appears that an individual or individuals sent out multiple similar packages. Why, yes, it does, sir. Yes, it does. It does all seem to have a bit of something in common. They all appear to be pipe bombs. And Wednesday afternoon, Trump called on the country to unify, which I'm just like eye roll. Right. But didn't he also,
1: I saw something about how he was doing another fucking rally. Yeah. As per usual. And he mentioned something about Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton, and they were doing the lock her up chants again today, even though she had just had her life threatened, essentially?
0: I took my notes today at like noon, so if that was something that's happened since then, I don't know. Possibly. um, The White House also said it condemned the attempt that they condemned that they condemned the attempted violence attacks against Obama and Clinton and calling the attackers cowards. But, um, but yeah. Okay,
1: but also this administration has totally, like, fostered violence it's absolutely fostered violence and then to act appalled when it happens is fucking like ridiculous
0: well right that's why i'm like i i rolled so hard because Mm -hmm. like he's telling us to unify when he's been the one who's been trying to keep us separate in like a whole us versus them situation for so long absolutely that it just like seems crazy to me
1: right i mean and this I made a note to talk about this, even though we can't really go deep into it because there's so many layers, and I feel like we would really need to focus a significant amount of time on it if we were going to really do a deep dive on this topic, but um, do you know everything that's going on with Jamal Khashoggi, that journalist? No, tell me about it. Okay, so he is a Saudi Arabian uh, journalist, Mm -hmm. but he Mm -hmm. is a resident of the United States. He was living here in the United States, and he was condemning uh, Saudi Arabia. And he also said some things about Trump, which which they did not like. Yeah. And which Trump did not like. Of course. not. And he he had a trip to Saudi Arabia to work, essentially. And he went into this office and never came back out. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. He was basically murdered by the Saudi Arabian government. Oh, my God. Trump. Trump has basically said as much. Like, he's been like, yeah, it doesn't look good for them, but also we're not going to stop doing business with them because money and oil. Of course. Um, (laughs) And so I I don't want to... I just wanted to, like, touch on that very
0: briefly. No, I think that's really important.
1: You know, but the reason why I wanted to touch on it right now is because there are such parallels between their reaction to that, like, Lindsey Graham's reaction to that whenever he introduced... um, Gosh, I can't remember his name... But the leader of Saudi Arabia, yeah. uh, Lindsey Graham, like, introduced him here in the United States. The, this Jamal introduced him? No, them? Jamal Khashoggi is the um, journalist. Yeah, who introduced Um, So Lindsey Graham introduced the person who ordered Jamal Khashoggi's death here in the United States because he's the leader of Saudi Arabia. And Lindsey Graham is acting fucking appalled and surprised and horrified by this violence. And I'm like, this is nothing that is or should be surprising to you. Yeah. And that's kind of the way that I feel about the way that they're responding to these bombings. Right. Is that like you have advocated active violence against clinton and obama and all of these people on the left george soros of course yeah and and continue now to do you're so. yeah and now you're acting like this is something that's so horrifying and surprising like come the fuck off yeah it, you know like please you knew what was up yeah you you advocated for this i guarantee you it's somebody who you know listens to the words that come out of your mouth your words have consequences and this is one of those things of course
0: Yeah, that just, like, was crazy to me. I saw, I found out about it when I was just, like, still laying in bed this morning, and I saw a Bernie Sanders tweet.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, things are just so insane right now, and it's really scary. And compounded with, like, my fear is compounded by the fact that early voting turnouts have been largely, uh, right wing mm. Largely Republican Like The left has not come out In early voting The way yeah. that We had hoped Everyone is like There's gonna be a blue wave There's gonna be a blue wave And like Fucking hope so I'm I'm concerned About that yeah. right now And it's All the more scary When you see things like this Happening Where the culture wars Are becoming Actual wars And I've yeah. heard people Kind of Whispers and murmurs Of there being And I know this sounds Super dramatic But of there being like another civil war, basically.
0: I mean, honestly, where are we headed? You know, like... The, yeah, our country's so all, divided. Yeah, it's just, you know, I just remember when we were talking about nine eleven and talking about the fear of war during that time, like, I feel more afraid now. Then again, I wasn't very politically active as, like, a nine-year-old. But, like, I just feel like everything that's going on right now seems so much more... It's like, man, if we started a war then, right now is, like... Fucking insane. With right. I mean, that's and you're on.
1: seeing, and we have been seeing, and I was listening to the Daily Zeitgeist, and they were kind of talking about the rise of violence on the right. There's mm-hmm. so
0: much actual violence on the right. Right. But well, there's so. Before we were so scared of like outside countries and other people coming in, and now it's like contained within our country. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why entirely, people are afraid of a, a civil war
1: because. There's so much actual violence on the right, but they are responding to it as if the left is being violent, you know, yeah. like
0: they're... Well, because like they then are that's just, helping push the people on the right, right who are
1: being violent to continue to be right. violent. Yeah. So it's just causing this giant divide. And I listened to a thing that was like Tucker Carlson had just been like yelled at at a restaurant or whatever, like told to get mm-hmm. out of a restaurant. And he was having this argument with, I think, a Black Lives Matter activist or someone. And he was saying like, the left is really violent. You don't think this is violent. Them like, you know, yelling at us to get out of restaurants, and not letting us eat and peace yeah. and things. And this guy was like, you guys are actually killing people Like you yeah. actually mowed down people At the Charlottesville mm-hmm. um, Unite the Right rally And that's actual violence Like yeah. what you're experiencing is not violence It might you're be uncomfortable for yeah, you You're experiencing like an inconvenience Right, yeah, and embarrassment yeah. Like, Is what you're experiencing Man um, Yeah, so it, I mean it's just a really scary time In our country, like it, it
0: really is I don't like it
1: Me neither. Um, Okay, so speaking of scary things happening in our country.
0: Give it to me. um,
1: As you know, because we talked about it a little bit, there have been transgender protests throughout the country this week. And that is all due to some murmurs that are happening about new transgender laws. Mm -hmm. These are not things that are actual laws. Mm -hmm. But there was a New York Times article uh that said that they saw a draft of a memo of a rule change talking about protections for transgender people the White House has a plan that changes the definition of sex across all agencies to being very rigid as either being male or female unchangeable and determined by the genitals that a person is born with subject to genetic testing meaning that they could actually like test you to determine what your
0: biological sex is. Right. Does that, but wait, but is that always going to coincide with like what your genitals are?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know what this means for like
0: intersex people. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I I don't know.
1: I don't know. Um, they're kind of in a gray area, but what they're basically doing is saying that there's no such thing as a transgender person. Yes. And this wouldn't be, it's it's not anything that is a law that they're attempting yet, but it is something that they're tossing around the idea of. Of course, which and that's is very dangerous. scary. Yeah, yes, it's very scary and dangerous. It's basically saying that these people aren't people in the way that they identify as people. Yeah, and we should say that they are codifying this across the federal government which means not just in governmental positions but basically everything that the government oversees would use this very rigid definition of gender yeah there would not be any way to identify outside of this which is horrifying yeah you know i can't imagine how scary this must be for transgender people yeah um Of course, the ACLU and other civil liberties groups have said that they would sue the shit out of the administration if they were to try something like this. But then again, the courts have been packed with right wingers. So it's just something to be paying attention to. Yeah. Because even if they were to sue, if all of the high courts were right leaning, it might not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just something to be very, like, aware of and definitely be looking out for your transgender brothers and
0: sisters, stand in solidarity with them. That's what I was going to say. Check in with them, make sure that they're okay, and make sure that, you know, they feel the support from their loved ones during this time. Because I can't even imagine if somebody were just to tell me that, like, what I believe about myself is wrong. I mean, I, I really can't have any true understanding of it, but imagining that somebody could be telling me, like, that I'm wrong. I don't know. It's just, it's, a horrifying right, well, such it's a sad thing. Right, well it's it's who thing. you you know they were
1: born this way. Yeah. And they should be able to identify however they see fit for themselves. I, know. I don't even really understand why this is a thing that we are having to buck up against at yeah. all. I really don't get it because if no one is hurting anybody else, why the fuck do you care? I know. Like why do you care? That's the if big somebody thing. wants to identify
0: However, way they identify, exactly. it's none of your business. Like I know, but people feel entitled. I mean, look at the way that like people feel entitled to women's bodies. You know what I mean? They like, they want to govern them. People feel entitled, and when they feel insecure or um, don't have an understanding of something like this, they're going to retaliate against it. You know, it's kind it's of horrible. like what we
1: what we talked about whenever we talked about the. Um, villains episode. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but I just remember this one passage that I wrote down in my notes that was basically like anything that bucks up against um the patriarchal worldview is dangerous because yeah. it threatens the status quo and it threatens the the power structure that we have in place. Right. It and totally
0: is it is a power thing. It is a right. it's a control thing. And it's yeah, ugly. they don't want
1: anything to threaten that power structure. Yeah, because it threatens their own power and their own positions in society, and like that's scary to them. Yeah, but at it, the end of the day, it doesn't. It
0: doesn't affect their lives at yeah. all in any practical well, sense. You know what? It's 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 the fragile masculinity. It's that you know because there are people out there who live their lives differently. Somehow that affects them. I mean that just reminded me of when you were talking about when President Nixon. Um, was talking about the AIDS crisis. And he was like, you know, someone wanted to talk about it. Oh, he's Reagan. Did like, yeah. I Nixon? Yeah. No, whatever. Um, and he was, he was laughing and like, oh, why are you gay? Like, you know, there's just such a, like, such a stigma around that and that if you are okay with certain things, like if the Trump administration were to, like, get behind transgender rights, it's like, what does that say about them? I feel like that's kind of where their mind yeah. goes. and...
1: What does it say about their, like, I think a lot of it is, like, virtue signaling as yeah. well. Like, not just fragile masculinity because it also happens with, you know, women. Yeah. Because I think it I, I think it has a lot to do with their perceived morals yes. being, quote, unquote, like, in jeopardy or not. And yeah. them trying to, you know, having grown up in the environment that I grew up in a lot of it was about, like, well, we need to protect this culture because this is God's plan and, like, yeah. this is God's country and, like, we need to make sure it remains sacred or whatever. And yeah. That was that was a part of it, was, like, you have to live the way that we think it's is just, right or else I just our, hate when people, you know, beliefs are being
0: threatened. I just hate when people throw, like, oh, this is what God would want kind of thing into it. Yeah, you don't fucking know. You don't know. And the other thing is that, like... From what I learned in religion, and I think that all good, you know, true Christian people in the world believe, is that God loves you no matter who you are, you know, and it doesn't matter, like, who you love or what how you define yourself, as long as you're a good and person and you're not hurting And anybody. even if you
1: don't believe that, even if you don't believe that, what I have to say is, like, that's not for you to judge, even if you don't believe that, then let God be the judge of that at the end of the day. That's very that true. has nothing to do with like your interactions with those people or yeah. it shouldn't have anything to do with that. Like your interactions with those people can be the same regardless. And if you believe that they're going to hell, then that's God's call. Yeah. Not your call. So like you need to just back the fuck out of it. Yeah. But yeah, that's just something to be very aware of. It's not anything that's being moved forward right now. Right. Um, but it's something to have your eyes open about. It's something that's very scary. I can't imagine what it must feel like to have that kind of target on my back, my identity being targeted like that. So just, you know, be there for your transgender brothers and sisters right now, because that's really scary. Exactly. (sighs)
0: so do you have anything else? I do. I was reading earlier today about Megyn Kelly defending blackface on the Today Show Oh, my God. Yeah, Have I heard, heard about, about that.
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I immediately thought of you. It's it's a good time to talk about that, too, because Halloween is coming up.
0: So. Halloween is a coming up, guys. Basically, like, she was saying that it's okay to go as blackface if it's a character. And Al Roker was like, uh, no, <laughs> like, that's not okay. Yeah, I think the thing that she said, she was talking about Diana
1: Ross because someone on like a Real Housewives Mm. had gone as Diana Ross for Halloween. And she was like, I don't understand because like I love Diana Ross and like other people love Diana Ross too. So isn't it like a good thing that they would want to go
0: as her for Halloween
1: even if they paint themselves black or whatever? I feel
0: like if you want to go, like, okay, so for me, I'm a big Selena fan and I've dressed up as Selena before. But I didn't make my skin darker. I, like, tied up a button-up shirt and, like, wore a little, like, Boussier kind of thing. And, like, I didn't... That's right. I'm not trying to look exactly like her. I'm just trying to, like, represent her,
1: you know? You get in, like, take, for instance, when Ellen DeGeneres dressed as Lil' Kim, right? Mm. She still was Ellen DeGeneres in a Lil' Kim outfit. Mm-hmm. She didn't try and paint her face. She didn't bronze up her face. She didn't do, people have to understand that the history behind blackface is so yeah. fucking vile in this country well, that yeah. no matter what your intentions are, it is triggering for people. Incredibly. And Incredibly. If it's something that's triggering for people, just fucking avoid it. Like I don't yeah. understand what the why is it so difficult to just not? You know what I mean? There's yeah. a million other things you could be. Get a little creative. Yeah. It's
0: 2018. Come well, on. Well, and this is what Al Roker said. He said, look, the fact is, while she apologized to the staff, she owes a bigger apology to the folks of color around the country. Because this is a history going back to the 1830s, minstrel shows to, de- to demean and denigrate a race. It wasn't right. I'm old enough to have lived through Amos and Andy, where you had white people in blackface playing two black characters, magnifying the worst stereotypes about black people. And that's what the big problem is. That's what the issue is.
1: Right. And I understand that people's intentions might not be that now, but the history of it is so ugly that we need to just not. We need to just face that and not. It's the same thing as like... Yeah, it's the same thing as, like, using the N-word. You might think you're saying it in a way that's, like, friendly, Mm -hmm. but the history of it is so ugly that it's not for you to determine, if you're not part of that community, whether Mm -hmm. or not it's okay for you to say. I agree. It's just not.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the only other thing that I had written down. What do you, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I have one more thing, um...
1: So, a Florida man groped a woman on a Southwest flight. Did you hear about this? It's ringing bells. This this man groped a woman on a Southwest flight and then cited our president as why... It was okay for him to do it. So, mm. FBI agents arrested Bruce Michael Alexander on a charge of abusive sexual contact after the flight Sunday from Houston to Albuquerque, my birthplace, mm. according to a federal criminal complaint. The 49-year-old from Tampa was handcuffed and placed in an FBI vehicle where he told authorities that, quote, The President of the United States says it's okay to grab women by their private parts. hmm uh-huh. In 2005, Trump was recorded saying you can do anything when you're a star, including grabbing women's genitals. Yep. The charge stemmed from a woman's allegation that Alexander sitting in the row behind her grabbed her right breast during the flight.
0: Mm -mm. Um, Can you fucking imagine that? Oh, my God. It would be horrifying. I would lose my shit and I would. I mean, actually, I'd probably go into shock. Yeah, he did it
1: once, and she thought, like, maybe it was an accident. He was sitting in the row behind her. Mm. And then when he did it again, and she saw his, like, she described his fingers as being, like, stubby little fingers with, like, Uh, dirt underneath the nails. uh, And so she went and told someone, and they were like, we noticed the dirt underneath his nails. And we were like, yep, that's the guy. So uh, they moved her to another seat, but she still filed a complaint. Of course, If Alexander is convicted, he faces a maximum penalty of two years in prison and a $250,000 fine. On Monday, he was in federal custody pending a preliminary hearing and detention hearing scheduled for uh, yesterday. So I don't really know how that went, the detention hearing, but... There you have it. Uh, Our president has totally, again, like, you know, the way that we talk about how they set a precedent for violence. Yeah. um, They've also set a precedent for sexual assault. Which is And racism.
0: All of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that stems from so much violence and hatred.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't have the person in charge of the country saying that it's okay to grope women and grab them by their private parts and not think that that's going to trickle down exactly. to every man in this country exactly. like of course, it is yeah so Ugh. so yeah that's that's all I have nothing really super light this week um we do have some listener stories though or some listener mail all
0: right I'll read the coming out story you read Vanessa's all right sounds great all right cool this is a coming out story Hi ladies, a few months ago I found your podcast and I've been a fan ever since. The notification letting me know that a new episode is up never fails to make my day. With that being said, here goes nothing. I first realized I was attracted to other women when I was 13 years old, and I being a naturally open person couldn't keep something like that to myself for very long, so I began telling my closest friends. I was very lucky to be accepted by my friends at the time, but I warned them that my family could never know. As a result, I ended up experiencing a lot of anxiety because I was essentially living a double life, and I was constantly worried that someone would slip up in front of my parents and accidentally out me. This resulted in plenty of awkward moments, including a moment when my mother casually told me she would never go to a gay wedding when I was 14. Not coming out to my family even ended up ruining my first relationship with a girl, who was most definitely my first love. Because of my anxiety about my parents finding out, I ended up treating her poorly. I even broke up with her to be with a guy so my mom wouldn't get suspicious. I was a scared little shit, to be honest. But after an on-again, off-again relationship that lasted nearly three years, I'm lucky to say she is one of my best friends to this day. When I went to college, I was dating a guy who I figured I would spend my life with, so I let go of the idea that I would ever need to tell my family. But by the end of the year, we had broken up in a pretty horrific way, and I was incredibly depressed. After years of keeping my queer identity a secret, I came out to my mother as bisexual while I was in a boring class through Facebook message signed, Please Don't Hate Me. Because I felt like I had nothing else to lose. She was surprised but not hateful, though I was disappointed when she urged me not to tell my grandparents. Anyway, fast forward five years later, and I'm studying to be a social worker for the LGBT plus youth and live with my two amazing partners, a transgender man and a queer woman, who are not a secret from anyone in my life. I identify freely as non-binary queer on social media, which my family can see. And my mother has come so far. She's even considering getting a rainbow rose tattoo for me. Sorry, this is rambly. The moral of the story is for me, coming out was a process and the responses varied and some were not ideal, some were hurtful and even violent. But even though they've misspoke and stepped on my toes many times during this process, I'm lucky enough to say my mother and my close family members have always been willing to meet me halfway and learn. They have stayed by my side despite their shock and confusion through the multiple times I have had to come out, and for that I am very grateful. Always raging, Taylor.
1: Oh, thank you, Taylor. Yeah,
0: and then she goes on to tell us about our villain episode. Should I read that part, too? A PS? Oh, sure. All right. P.S. I listened to your female villain episode and loved it because I'm a total communications nerd. I only have one note. When you guys talked about the princesses not being sexual except for Jasmine, I really think the main reason why is because she's a person of color. And it's just a portrayal of a stereotype of promiscuous women of color. I don't think she's a prin- I don't think she's a princess but the girl in the hunchback of Notre Dame is another example and that's the one that we'll hear from Vanessa as well
1: yes um Thank you Taylor yeah you definitely pointed out something that we had another listener also point out yep. to us um, and so I'll read that now and then we can kind of address all of it yeah
0: thank you for that story though Taylor like that thank you so much I'm so thankful that your mom has come around um okay so this
1: email is from Vanessa hey ladies during your convo for this episode 39 I think I kept thinking about another Disney movie that doesn't get much attention and yet has some of the items you were discussing in its female lead Esmeralda. She is arguably lower class. She is a dancer. She has brown skin. She is curvy. She is still skinny, but she's curvier than most princesses. Uh-huh. And while this movie is problematic in other ways, the male villain is a villain and he casts her down due to her sexuality, beauty, and talents. Uh-huh. This movie is one... That when I saw it, I was like, is this for children? <laughs> it deals with so many things. And I would imagine it didn't do well, taking on religion and a touch of sexuality and human kindness and otherness. Just was an interesting character and a strong female character, although voiced by a non-brown person. Yeah. Anyway, keep it up, ladies. And Madigan,
0: hope you are finally feeling better. <laughs> uh, love, I love, Vanessa. So, I love... I mean, if we had been talking about just all villains, I definitely would have brought him up. I loved The Hunchback of Notre Dame when I was little. Um, I never had any conversations with my mom about any of that, and I totally watched it like it was whatever, and then it was as I got older. Oh, me too. And I watched that. I watched it with my parents all the time. Yeah. What's that song called, though, when he's talking about, like? Like fire, hellfire? Yes. Oh, my God. That scene is
1: horrifying. It's so scary, but that movie is so beautiful. Like, it's so beautifully done. It's so beautiful. To both of their points, we did miss Esmeralda when we were talking about female protagonists because Mm -hmm. she is sexualized and a lower class, and she has all of those things that we kind of were saying are more common in female villains. Um, However, to Taylor's point, so the two examples that we do have are Jasmine and Esmeralda, and they're both women of color. So that is an interesting point to make that the only times that these women are allowed to be these female protagonists in these movies are allowed to be sexual is when they are women of color or they're mm-hmm. from a lower class system yeah. and, and it's when making you're not some kind of point that's just purely good You know, you're seeing... um, Yeah, it's making some kind of point. Because Esmeralda was also... I mean, Esmeralda could actually be considered along the same lines as, like, there aren't a lot of uh, antiheroes that Mm -hmm. are are women of color. Yeah. Esmeralda could almost be seen as an antihero because, granted, she needed to do it, but she was also a thief. You know, she was a lot of other things that could be
0: considered, um, you know... But I love the humanization of her because she was a thief and lived a life that I think to a lot of people would see as promiscuous and um, not a great life to live, but yeah, she was so she was the one person that showed true kindness to somebody else who was different. And I think that that's such Absolutely. a beautiful, strong message to be sending kids. It's such a good agreed, movie.
1: Agreed. I loved her. I, I had that Halloween costume. Speaking of Halloween. Yes, this I used to dress out. up
0: like her all the time.
1: Yeah. I, my mom never used to buy me like packaged Halloween costumes. Uh-huh. But she did buy me the Esmeralda like in a bag, you know, all of the items mm-hmm. um, whenever I was a little girl. So I went as her like uh, one year and then I wore that. Costume all the time. It had the little like uh, sash that had the jingly. Was it, belt, was like, it uh, red? Coins on it. Was it red with a purple it, thing? I want to say the sash thingy was purple with the coins on it and yeah. then the
0: top was white. Okay. I can't remember what the I skirt looked like. I had two Esmeralda, like. Esmeralda costumes. I had one that I wore that was like my day to day Esmeralda that I would like wear to preschool.
1: And oh, then there I was had, a red one.
0: Yeah, and it had like the sleeves that were kind of flowy and then it yeah, was just the sexy a red one. dress. And then I would, t- yeah, little four-year-old Maddie is so sexy. Um, and then I would tie the little purple sash around my waist. And then I had one that was the white with the purple. She was, yeah, I was obsessed the one I with that movie when it came out. And I remember yeah, me too. So was I. watching that VHS tape. Forever. I think I saw
1: it in theaters. Actually, I did too. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I yeah. did too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you both for writing thank in. You. I love to get these like follow ups. They don't always have to be sister solidarity stories or coming out stories or anything like that. If you just have something else you want to add to the conversation, like Vanessa totally. did with this uh, email. I love getting things like that because mm-hmm. sometimes it's stuff that we didn't even think of. And yeah. I love to rehave those conversations with Madigan. So if you have any that you would like to submit to us, just regular stories, such as solidarity stories, motherhood stories, coming, coming out, out stories, stories, or you just want to chat with us about anything, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can get us on instagram at angry neighborhood feminist you can get us on facebook through our business page or our facebook group um and you can also find us on twitter at Yamp podcast
0: y-a-n-f podcast Podcast. (laughs) thank you (laughs) oh man well and guys also thank you so much for showing up and rating and reviewing for us these last few weeks please keep it going if you haven't done it already it really is so helpful Um, we really really appreciate it
1: yes thank you so much i love waking up to new reviews it's like my favorite thing ever i haven't checked days. yeah definitely we got another one we got another one i think yesterday or the day before so i totally love you know waking up and reading new reviews it makes me very excited so if you haven't reviewed yet please
0: do we love hearing from you Mm -hmm. and um do you have anything else no i think i'm good no i'm good my dog is staring at me crying So I guess I have to. She missed you. You were gone all day. I know. She's like, I just want my mommy to love me. All right. So I guess, you guys, with that being said, we encourage you to to rage rage on. on. Bye. Bye.